Good morning, everyone. This morning we'll be given the title Anticipating God's Blessing, focusing on Isaac. The Bible readings are out two events which happened in his life, one when he was a young man and the other when he was old and nearing death. Now, before we look at the Bible passages, let us consider the definition of faith for a moment. We have faith in two kinds of things. Things we hope for, that is future things, and things we do not see. The main invisible thing we put our faith in is, of course, God himself. And the main thing we hope for is the fulfilment of his promises. If we see something with our eyes, we know that is true. In the same way, through faith, we can be sure something is true, even though we cannot see it. It's the same with future things, like promises. Through faith, we know a particular promise will be fulfilled. Therefore, faith is the assurance and the certainty that invisible things are true and future things will come true. Hope that's plain. Now let us look at the faith of Abraham at our first reading. The story of how Abraham, at God's command, took Isaac up to the top of a mountain to sacrifice him is recorded in Genesis 22. But God had promised Abraham that his descendants would come through Isaac, who was born to him and his wife Sarah, in their old age. According to Genesis 21, God said to Abraham, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. However, God tested Abraham. God commanded Abraham to kill his son Isaac as a sacrifice. If Abraham did that, how could God fulfill his promise to make Abraham a great nation? Abraham did not question God. Abraham knew that God had the power to raise dead to life. It was God's responsibility to fulfil his promises and it was Abraham's responsibility to obey. At the very last moment, God stopped Abraham killing his son Isaac. When we read in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord... This is accepted as the appearance of God the Son on earth before he entered the womb of the Virgin Mary. It's a Christophany, as it's called. So here was God the Son in the appearance of an angel stopped Abraham from killing Isaac, his son. In a way, Isaac was good as dead. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, Abraham received Isaac back from death. Then the angel of the Lord, that is God the Son, said to Abraham, Now I know you fear God, because you have not withheld your son, your only son. And then later the Lord said, Because you have done this, and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore and through your offspring all nations will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now let's have a look 
at the second reading. It was the customs in those days for the aging father to give specific blessings to each of his sons. Now these blessings were legally binding just as a written will is today. The father usually took into account the special privileges due to the eldest son but he was free to bestow on whomsoever he wished. Now Isaac clearly favoured Esau over Jacob. So much so that he obviously intends to give his entire blessing to Esau and nothing at all to Jacob. Now Rebekah, Isaac's wife, who favoured Jacob, overheard Isaac's word to Esau and immediately formed a plan to thwart Isaac's wishes and trick him into giving his blessing to Jacob instead. Rebekah's plan went smoothly. Jacob entered fully into the deception and deceived Isaac by pretending to be Esau. So Jacob received the greater blessing that was meant for his brother. But when Isaac discovered he had been deceived, he did not take back the blessing he had given to Jacob. Instead, he accepted it as God's will and confirmed Jacob's blessing. Isaac had the faith that through Jacob, God would fulfill his promise to make Abraham a great nation. This account causes some problems, doesn't it? Does God approve of Jacob's cheating? Will he endorse a blessing gained under false pretenses? On the first reading of Genesis 27, we tend to see Rebekah and Jacob as a pair of rogues exploiting the blindness of Isaac to do down Esau. It's not as simple as that. Esau married two wives, which was a bad thing in itself. Moreover, they were Hittites, i.e. Canaanite. Now, Abraham had been most concerned that Isaac should not marry a Canaanite. Then why hadn't Isaac done the same for Esau? When the patriarchs knew their death was near, they were expected to summon all their sons together and give them each a blessing. Now, pretending he doesn't know the day of his death, Isaac summons only his favourite son, Esau. No wonder Rebekah was incensed. It was not clear how far Jacob approved of Rebekah's scheme to outwit Isaac and obtain the blessing. I think he was more afraid of being found out than any moral principles. Nevertheless, despite the underhand way in which Jacob obtained the blessing, it was still valid. Isaac's last words predicted the future relationship between Jacob, later to be called Israel, and Esau, who descendants became the tribe of Edom. Israel would enjoy a settled agricultural existence, while the tribe of Edom would be in the wilderness area as nomads. Now the blessing had never actually been in Isaac's control. It was God who determined which son would get the birthright and the blessing. In Romans chapter 9, 
we read God chose Jacob and not Esau to receive the inheritance while they were still in the womb. They were, of course, twins. God was working out his sovereign plan. He was even using the selfish and deceptive plans of sinful humans to accomplish his purposes. The covenant blessings bestowed by God upon Abraham and then upon Jacob, uh, sorry, Isaac, would now pass on to Jacob and his descendants, his twelve sons, so then who then headed up the twelve tribes of Israel, and so God's promise was fulfilled. Conclusion. We've been looking at the inheritance promised to Abraham. What is our inheritance? What is God's promise we are anticipating? God has promised us full and complete salvation, freedom from the penalty or punishment of sin, eternal life in heaven with Christ, if we trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour, and that salvation includes the redemption of the body. At present, we have received the Holy Spirit as an advance or a deposit on what is to come. There's more, much more to come. And that's how the Apostle Paul described it, a deposit for the wonderful things that's going to happen to us. So when we accept Christ as Saviour, we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, and so begins the process of us being changed to be made fit for heaven. But this change will not be complete until we have received our resurrected bodies, which will only happen when the Lord comes again. Then we shall be fully changed and fit for heaven. And then, first of all, the dead in Christ, all those who die believing in the Lord Jesus Christ from the beginning, our loved ones that we've laid to rest, they will rise first, and they will have a spiritual body. And we who arrive and remain, we will be changed also, and we shall have spiritual bodies, and together we shall rise up and to meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah! What a reunion that's going to be. It's all in the Bible. Paul's letters, the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, is first letter to Corinthians, chapter 15. Read it for yourself. So we look forward to the time when the Lord shall return and we shall be forever with him. This is our inheritance. This is what God has promised. And through faith we believe this will happen. So in the meanwhile, God will surely test us as he did Abraham. Not so severely, I'm sure. But he will test us when our faith is weakest. So let us not be lacking in any way. Then finally, we need to prove our faith by our actions. All those listed in uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews we've been going through, including Abraham, showed proof of their faith by their actions. Faith without works is death, which is how the Apostle uh, James put it. A false faith. In each case, these men have had faith in God. God promised. They believed. God commanded. They obeyed. 
Um, God fulfilled his purposes for Israel, the Jewish nation. Now God is using us today for his purposes. And when God calls us, as he called Abraham, let us be ready as individuals and as a church to obey. And let us hold on to our faith and his promises, for we know them to be true. Amen. God bless you.